Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Think about it. In almost everything in life, the things that are richest come from the greatest difficulty. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I wonder if there's anything in our life here today that we love more than the Lord God. Is there anything that we're devoting more of our life and our inner self to? Understand, we could save a lot of grief in all of our lives if we were to rework our personal priority list and make sure that our relationship with God is number one with nothing else even close to it. And why shouldn't we? Shouldn't we make God number one in our life? For nothing else will ever give us a lasting satisfaction that he gives us, a joy and a peace inside of our soul. For everything else in life just holds us back from that true joy and freedom. See, when you have the Lord number one in your life, then when things like the pandemic, we're all going to die, when it all comes in, it doesn't change you one iota. If you lose your job, it doesn't change. Nothing changes the peace inside. No matter what could happen to you, no matter what transpires in life, because I have a peace that transcends all understanding. Because I have the one who transcends all understanding living inside of me. That's the difference. Yes, only God can give that. Notice how God said in verse 2, Take now your son, your only son. Ishmael is not even an issue here. This is the promised son that I gave you. Take now your son, your only son. It was the deepest, most meaningful thing that Abraham had in his old age. For Abraham had already given up his father and his family. Remember when God had called him years and years earlier? Some 50, 60 years earlier? When God first called him to leave his home and follow the Lord? But now God is asking Abraham for something even deeper. Give me your promised son that you waited for 25 years for, whom he has watched grow up and turn into a man. And I want you to offer Isaac as a burnt offering and a sacrifice to me. How could God ask for such a thing? Yet here we have a picture again, a snapshot forming of what God had already planned all the way back from Genesis chapter 3, way before Abraham was ever a thought, a blip on the map, what he planned at the very fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
when they ate of the forbidden fruit and brought sin into the human race. For we've all sinned. Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman, they tainted their own natures with a sin nature. And that sin nature has come upon every one of us. We don't have to teach our children to be to be bad. They're bad on their own. We have to teach them to be good. No, Bobby, don't pull your sister's hair out. That's not a good thing. No, no, don't steal. No, don't talk back to mommy like that. Don't talk to your mother. That's my wife. You know, it's like, like we have to train them to be nice. And here is a picture now of a loving father, Abraham. And he's asked to give his beloved son, Isaac, up as a sacrifice. This, to all of us here today, as we look back, was a perfect picture of our heavenly father who one day in the future would do the unimaginable. Where God the Father would hand over his beloved son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for the sin of all humanity. I wonder, what is that thing in our lives that God would have us to lay on the altar of sacrifice today? So that we can become the man or the woman of God that he desires us to be. What is that thing? What is that thing that the Holy Spirit is is literally searching your soul right now? What is that? Is it a pursuit? Oh, I moved to L.A. I'm pursuing this. This is my main thing. This is what I have to be. I will give everything. I will sacrifice everything for this. Is it an ungodly friendship that God has tried to sever, but you will have nothing to do with it? We have been friends since kindergarten. I will never sever this friendship even though they are a stumbling block to your faith? Is it a known sin that you have made unknown to those around you? That little secret sin that you you bring out of the closet and play with occasionally? No one else knows? Whatever it is, is that standing between us and our relationship with God? Yes, what we choose on days like today when it's brought out to us, when the Holy Spirit pulls that thing into your mind right now, what we choose to do with that today will make a huge difference on where we go tomorrow in our faith. For God will test us and God will prove us of who we really desire to be. Who do you desire to be? A Sunday Christian? or a true follower of Jesus Christ? Who do you desire to be? Oh, we're all in on Sunday morning, but on Monday, are you all in? When people start talking, all the garbage they talk, all the stuff, everything that's happening, it's like, uh, do we fade into the woodwork? We are chosen by the eternal providence of God to be alive in these last days. We are called to be alive in these last days to serve him in the darkness of these last days. We are called to be lights that shine brightly in this dark time that we are living in. Know this, the person who is tried the most, the person who is severely tested, the one who's been pushed to their outer limits, yet they come through victoriously, he or she 
is the one who will see the hand of God move the most. If you never see the hand of God move in your life, you wonder, like, why is that? Am I ever in a position to see the hand of God move? Do I ever put myself in a place? Do I ever open my mouth to ever see the hand of God move? The people who see the deepest insights into the plans and purposes of God are those who are willing to be used. And those are the ones who will most likely see God move in a whole new dimension. Think about it. In almost everything in life, the things that are richest come from the greatest difficulty. The finest jewels have to be excavated. They have to dig deep into the earth to find these diamonds and rubies and these precious stones. They have to be excavated from the earth. And then when they are brought out, a diamond is just this ugly thing until it is cut and sliced and ground to perfection and polished. The precious metals with the most value are the ones that we put in to the hottest of fires so they can be refined and refined and greater refined. Abraham was called the father of the faith because he had to endure the hot fires of trial and adversity and hardship in the proving of his faith. Abraham told his two servants, you wait. And don't miss what he said to them in verse 5. He said, the lad and I will go, we're going to go worship, and we will return to you. Yes, with a humble and obedient heart by faith, Abraham pushed on with Isaac to start to climb up Mount Moriah. How heavy do you think that father's heart was, realizing what God had asked him to do? Even as our heavenly father's heart was heavy, as Jesus wept in the garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was dropping great sweats of blood from his forehead, crying out, Father, if there is if there's any other way that humanity can be bought back, if, there, if there's any other way their sin can be forgiven, let this cup pass from me. Understand, obedience is not always easy. Obedience is, is not always light. For many times, obedience is heavy. It is heavier and more burdensome than, than we think that any of us could ever handle. Yet Abraham believed God. He knew that the God that he faithfully served He knew that this God, he was loving and he was compassionate. Did not Abraham see that demonstrated? Did he not see the compassion of God? When God said, oh, by the way, Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Their wickedness has come up to me. I have to blot this out of humanity. These people are so perverted and so far gone that they will wipe out the rest of the human race. I have to take them out. Abraham's like, what? My nephew Lot lives in Sodom. He's got two little girls. God, you can't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. How could you destroy them? There's righteous people there. 
Yeah, how could you destroy the whole city if there was 50 righteous people? And God's like, well, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Then Abraham's thinking like, yeah, they're pretty bad. Uh, well, well what, if, what if they're five less than 50? Are you still going to destroy it? If there's 45 righteous people, I won't destroy it. Okay. Ah, man, the last time I went and visited Lot, oh, they were pretty bad. Well, what if there's only 40? And you know the story. Then it was 30. Then it was 20. Then finally, oh, God, don't send a lightning bolt down and zap me off the ground. But, but Lord, what if there's only 10 righteous people in Sodom? God's like, I won't destroy it. But you know the story. There wasn't 10 righteous. The city was completely consumed and gone. The people were just past the point of no return. And it's like the angels went in to deliver righteous Lot. They had to drag him out by his neck. He didn't want to go. They had to grab his wife and drag her out. She didn't want to go. They had to grab his two daughters and drag them. They're like, yeah, let it go. They had to drag him out of there. But was that not the compassion of God, though? That's why by faith, Abraham confidently, he boldly told his servants that he and Isaac, we will return. Did that mean that Abraham had no intention of sacrificing Isaac? Oh, no, not at all. We are given incredible insight in the book of Hebrews of exactly what Abraham was thinking at this very moment. This gives true light into what was going on at the epicenter of Abraham's heart at this moment. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. Considering that God is able to raise men even from the dead, from which he was also received him back. So <laughs> Abraham's like, you know what? God wants me to offer up this son as a burnt sacrifice. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to offer him up as a sacrifice. And God's going to raise him from the dead. It's just like, God's able to keep the promise because Abraham realized, wait a second, God told me that my descendants through this son, my descendants would be like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. So again, Abraham had every intention of sacrificing Isaac, but at the very same time, he totally believed that God would raise him from the dead because God was going to keep his promise to have his son have sons and his sons have sons and his descendants would be like the stars of the heaven so it's like this is amazing abraham just concluded in his mind well somehow he's got to raise him from the dead because god promised and i know god's going to keep his promise which brings up our second point seeing real faith oh when you see real faith oh isn't it a beautiful thing someone says man i know this is going to happen i know it's going to happen you look at him like it can't happen it's impossible for that to happen oh no it's going to happen oh trust me oh god is going to make this happen and it's like oh and when it happens you're just like i told you because god shared it with me amen amen so let's read what happens next 
So picking up in Genesis 22, 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. He's going to carry the very wood that's going to burn him alive. Just like Jesus had to carry the cross that he hung on to die for us. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire, I'm carrying the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? See, he doesn't know anything yet here, okay? Verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, which he truly did. He said, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Verse 9, then they came to the place in which he had told him, and Abraham built an altar, so they're at the top of Mount Moriah now. There, and he arranged the wood, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. We don't see any resistance here. Verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and he looked and behold, uh, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket or a bush and by his horns. And, And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered him for the burnt offering in place of his son. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Boy, you don't, you don't think Abraham was like, man, that was a close one. Wow. Notice the Bible refers to Isaac there as just a lad. You know, we think he's just a young boy here. But this is the same type lingo that he was using for the two servants in verse 5. You know, and they were young men. We know that from the time that Isaac was born until now was anywhere between 20 and 30 years He could be 25, 30 years old here. See, chapter 21 ended with Abraham living many days in the land of the Philistines. And chapter 22 started with after these things, after those many days, okay, a couple decades, meaning a long time had passed. Isaac is not a five-year-old holding daddy's hand. Yeah, daddy, we're going to do sacrifice. Isaac was a full-grown man. In fact, at the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 23, Sarah dies and Isaac's 37 years old. So he could could totally be 25, 30 years old here. The point is this. When Isaac said in verse 7, hey, dad, I see the fire. I'm carrying the wood for the sacrifice. But where's the sacrifice? Abraham didn't tell him at that moment. For Abraham just said God will provide himself what he needs. But it didn't take long before it was obvious how this is all going down. It's like that Isaac was going to be the sacrifice. This is not just a story of the faith of Abraham. This is also a story of the faith of Isaac. Because at this point, 
Abraham is at least 125, 130 years old, and I'm sure Isaac could have said, Hey, Dad, I got a better idea for you here. You're an old goat. I think we should just sacrifice you. Let me just tie you up on the altar here because you're old and weak, and I'm young and strong. I think we should just reverse roles here. Hey, let me, let me tie you up, Dad. But he didn't. He willingly allowed this older man, his dad, to tie him up. He just went along with it. He didn't put up any fight at all. It's crazy, but it's true. Maybe this is why God referred to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob throughout history. Yes, Abraham passed the test of faith. And Isaac passed the test of faith as well. Yes, they worshiped God. They submitted to God. It was God's will over their own will. I wonder if you allow God's will over your will. Or is it always your will? You wonder why there isn't a total blessing on your life. Maybe it's too much your will and not enough God's will. And as Abraham raised the knife, God said, hold on there, Abraham. And notice how he calls his name twice. And the second time, there's an apostrophe. It's like an exclamation point. Abraham, Abraham, stop, hold the boat. At that moment in verse 13, there was a ram caught in a bush. And just like Abraham told Isaac in verse 8, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. And he did. And again, we have a snapshot. We have a picture here. A sacrifice of a ram on Mount Moriah. This was a foreshadow of all the sacrifices to come right here in this very spot. For once the temple of God was built there by Solomon, thousands of animals were sacrificed, which led up to the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity when God the Father, not Abraham, would offer up his only begotten son, Jesus, as a sin offering for all of us. So all who would repent of their sin could be forgiven. Yes, what a picture this is. No, God didn't want Abraham to offer up his son for God himself would do that in the future. But for now, Abraham again proved himself a man of God. He proved himself a man of faith. And what a lesson that is for all of us here today. To every generation, Abraham was unwavering in the midst of this huge test, proving that his faith was real, that his obedience was real obedience. Is our faith real? Is our obedience a real obedience? And look how Abraham is remembered in Isaiah 41.8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend. Wow. God calls Abraham, man, you're my friend. I just love you. 
He poured out blessing on his life. You know, so many times we, you know, we, we are taught by certain television evangelists that sell tons of books and all these things. Oh, cry out to God. Name it and claim it. You deserve this. You're a child of the king, and God will bless you. God blessed Abraham mightily, but it wasn't because he cried out to God, our vending machine who art in heaven. I, I name this, and I claim this, and I claim riches, and I claim... No, he obeyed. He trusted. He believed. And then blessing came. I don't think anyone was more blessed than Abraham, but it wasn't because he asked for it. It's because he lived a life of faith, and God just blessed him. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 